Hi, welcome to our 20th episode. Today, like last week, we're going to cover another news piece, the crash of the sterling, what the strength of the USD means for markets, and how long this can continue. As always, subscribe and share. Enjoy. Hey, Alison, how are you today? Hey, Chris, I'm doing well. How's it going your side? Yeah, pretty well, thanks. I'm back in, back in Portugal. It's nice to be home. Um, so I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. And um, this is a special episode today, Alison. Yeah, it is. This, yeah, this is episode 20. It's our 20th uh, podcast that we've done. And at the top here, I just wanted to say how grateful we are um, to our listeners. We've seen our audience uh, steadily growing and that we have listeners from all over the, all over the world. Um, listeners in North America, Philippines, Europe, South America, and, and all across Africa. Uh, so we just want to say a big thank you to all of you for, for tuning in. And that we really hope uh, you found this podcast interesting and useful. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for subscribing. Yeah, thank you for subscribing. Um, and I guess if you have any questions or burning topics that you would like us to cover, write us. Our contact details can be found at fxscouts.com or tradeforexsa.co.za. Yeah, exactly. So get in touch and let us know. I know I know a lot of you do get in touch anyway, but we like to hear from you. So yeah, that's uh, thanks thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us chat about uh, chat about forex. Uh, but today uh, we're going to talk about a topic that has been um, quite well covered across the globe. And this is last week's crash of the pound against the US dollar. And more generally, we're going to talk about the ongoing strength of the US dollar against uh, pretty much all all the global currencies and what this means for the international markets and specifically what it means for the forex forex markets and for forex traders. Yeah, so um, we said in the last episode that we would first uh, give you a bit of an update on the MetaTrader and IOS saga. And basically so far there's been no conclusive news from what we found on whether MT4 and MT5 will be reinstated in the App Store. Um, and we've also had no solid news from any of our brokers. Uh, it also seems that, that there's quite a lot of uncertainty circulating in the trading community. That said, we heard that MetaQuotes has been in touch with brokers privately, saying that they are confident that Apple's issues with MT4 and MT5 are fixable, whatever that means, and that they expect that the apps will be available again in the near future on the App Store. But what changes they have to make for this to occur is still unknown. So we, we, we actually don't have much news on MT4 and MT5, but we will keep you informed on this if we do find out more. Yeah, we will. Um, and uh, we've also had some feedback from uh, Pepstone, one of the brokers we work with, and they were just saying, you know, basically use the web trader uh, while you can in your browser and, um, you know, have a look at Ctrader, which is something I think we said in the last episode. Yeah. Um, it's worth worth checking out. Um, yeah, we'll let you know as anything comes through there. But now on to the main topic of this week's podcast. Um, many of our listeners will have seen the news last week of the pound sterling's crash against uh, not just the US dollar, but other, other uh, currencies in developed nations around the world. 
Uh, this occurred after the newly installed British government presented a so-called mini-budget, I believe they were calling it. Uh, this included, in this mini-budget, a price cap on energy bills for both families and businesses. Um, so basically a massive bailout for um, that to deal with the really high energy prices stemming from um, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But it also included a tax cut for the wealthy and the cancellation of... Um, a raise in social security contributions and the cancellation of an increase in corporation uh, tax. So they were basically spending a lot of money in this budget. The problem is um, the UK government is already borrowing quite a lot as a result of, you know, ongoing economic weakness following Brexit and then, of course, COVID. Um, and the markets reacted poorly to this uh, new government saying that they were going to try and borrow even more to pay for frankly, you know, tax cuts for the wealthy. And they decided the, the UK was going to struggle to pay for all of this. And they were also seemed to be concerned that the budget was aimed at providing, as I said, more money for the wealthy rather than uh, trying to support mm. um, the nation as a whole. Uh, and especially coming at a time when the poorest are struggling and that this uh, down the road was going to create potential for serious political risk. Yeah. Yeah. So the it, it, act, it means basically that the pound has crashed against the dollar and the euro and that interest rates on UK bonds have also soared. Um, and this is basically because investors have dropped the pound, as you said. Mm -hmm. And uh, one anonymous investor was quoted in the Financial Times and he said that the UK was uninvestable as a nation, which is a I mean, huge that's pretty, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty damning, damning yeah. statement right there. Very damning statement. And while the pound has since recovered um, somewhat, uh, it yeah. still remains a cautionary tale for all government economic planners. Yeah, it does. It's a very good cautionary tale. Um, yeah, and as you said, the pound has recovered, and this is following a, a policy U-turn. Um, well, partial policy U-turn. They've uh, decided not to cut taxes uh, for the wealthy. And also the the central bank has intervened. The for, it was forced, the, the Bank of England was forced to basically restart quantitative easing, um, which they really didn't want to do. Mm. But we'll we'll talk about central bank innovation a bit more uh, later on. But mm. um, yeah, see, the, the reason this is a cautionary tale is because the US dollar is a haven currency. Mm. Um, in times of trouble, the US dollar, you know, it's the world's refuge. It's where investors move. And um, this is true even when the United States is the source of the trouble, you know, as, as uh, what happened in the last major crisis in 2007 to 2009. And, and it's true again now. Uh, people are going to, investors are naturally in times of crisis going to flock to the dollar. And mm. um, so we've seen a series of shocks, which I think we'll go into in more detail uh, shortly. Um, but this is also including high inflation in the United States. And this has triggered this upward movement um, in the dollar. And this is not just against the currencies of emerging economies, you know, like South Africa or Malaysia, but also against other high income countries. Um, so you're seeing uh, the US dollar strengthening against the euro, the yen, and uh, the Swiss franc. And, and when you mess up your macroeconomic policies, like the British government just did, this is particularly dangerous uh, when the dollar is, is so strong. And when interest rates rising and investors are looking for stability and security. And this, this goes a lot of the way to explaining why the pound uh, crashed, crashed so hard. And it kind of explains, well, partly explains why the dollar is so strong. Um, mm -hmm. And as you said, it's a haven currency. 
but it's also because of the increase in U.S. interest rates that have been happening um, for the last uh, couple of months, and because the American economy has remained comparatively strong since the start of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. So in the past year, the U.S. dollar is up around 22% against a basket of the world's biggest currencies, including the pound. Um, and this has caused lots of investors to worry that the dollar has become excessively overcrowded. And this is because it has basically been in the green or has had a long, long positioning um, for 62 weeks in a row. Um, but what this means is that many investors are worried that it is going to have a major and aggressive reversal, uh, which would obviously have a big Im impact on those who are heavily invested in the U.S. currency. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a bit of a beginning to become a bit of a concern for a lot of people. Um, it's one I saw a quote from an investment manager recently he said, when you have like a trade like this, it's overcrowded. You know, when all the investors are looking, doing, seeking the same thing, doing the same thing, yeah. and when perceptions change in a in a situation like that, the reaction is usually very violent. And um, we'll, we've seen that before. We're going to see it again. And um, a good example. Sorry, it, I was going to say it's a chain reaction, and it usually mm -hmm. happens very fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, in the last couple of times this happened in 2015 and 2009. When we saw when we saw the dollar uh, the dollar index rise by more than twenty percent over uh, over a one year period, the dollar index subsequently logged a two month drop of about seven percent uh, both times after the peak. So that's a pretty major that's a pretty major reversal. But the issue here with all this uh, long positioning and all this chat about potential reversals is we need to know what fundamentals would create this reversal. Mm -hmm. You know, as we pointed out, the technicals are there. You know, this is obviously an overcrowded market, but what? But we need some kind of fundamental uh, push in order to trigger this. And there are three. There are three basic catalysts that we can see. One would be uh, falling uh, U.S. interest rate volatility, so some stability there. Uh, normalization of European energy prices would also um, would also help. And another big one would be China abandoning its uh, current zero COVID policy. So these are the three fundamentals I would look for. Um, if we, before we can see any kind of um, reversal in the U.S. dollar index, but it it doesn't really look like any of these will happen in the near future. I mean, these no, are, no, it doesn't. Yeah, these are sort of pretty set at the moment. Um, mm. But in the meantime, the UN has warned that the U.S. Federal Reserve um, is pushing the global economy into a recession um, if they keep raising the interest rates. So the the and this warning comes basically amid growing unease about the haste with which the U.S. central bank and its counterparts are raising the borrowing costs, um, and they're trying to do this to obviously contain inflation. Um, and what we also see is that India's central bank said that the global economy was facing a third major shock, um, and this is after the COVID nineteen pandemic and and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, and this is also in the form of aggressive rate increases by central banks in the rich countries. So, But it is having a huge effect on, on obviously, the poorer countries. Yeah, exactly, on developing economies. And this is, this is a wider issue as well, politically, because 
you know, ostensibly, you know, countries like the United States and India, they're allies, you know, politically, they're allies, and they work together politically. But you get you're getting to a point now where the United States economic policies are beginning to create friction in what are usually fairly stable political yeah. relationships. And that that obviously leads, you know, to more risk, uh, to more anxiety in the markets. Um, and we're beginning to see, uh, and we're seeing this all over the world, and nations are beginning to take extreme measures to deal with uh, the strength of the USD. We've already mentioned that the UK's central bank was forced to intervene to calm the markets. Um, but the Japanese central bank has also moved um, to prop up the yen because uh, because of the strength of the dollar. And, uh, and I, just recently, the Chinese government has reportedly told state banks to prepare for, uh, prepare for selling large amounts. You Chinese hold huge amounts of US dollars to start selling off, uh, to start selling off US dollars in order to protect uh, their currency, the yuan. I mean, those are extreme moves for... Yes, this is, this is desperate measures. We haven't seen this kind of central bank intervention in currency markets, especially developed, developed countries making this kind of intervention for a very long time. Uh, because generally, like it's it's understood that this kind of intervention of um, uh, FX intervention is is a desperate move. It's a yeah. panicky move. It's a sticking plaster. Um, it doesn't have long term effects. If anything, it, if anything, it can create more panic in the markets. But they felt the need to do this. And as I was saying, like the, the Chinese yuan has lost more than eleven percent against the dollar this year, which is why they are beginning to do this. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. What do we say? Biggest annual loss uh, since 1994 against the US dollar, which is just and and that's just China and India. I mean, this is happening all over the world, and it's just not sustainable for a lot of um, for a lot of developing economies, a lot of developed economies, because mm. uh, the you know people import people import from the United States, and they're importing using dollars, and current prices are going up. Yeah. Um, and the longer this continues from the United States, the harder it's going to be um, for people in those countries to afford the things they need. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Mm -hmm. Scary. So what does this mean for Forex traders? Um, so frankly, we are in uncharted waters. And as we pointed out, the long term technical analysis is basically calling for a reversal or downturn uh, for the USD of some kind. But as you mentioned, Chris, the fundamentals just can't support where it's at at the moment, mm -hmm. which can only mean continued high levels of volatility and panicky moves in the in the global markets um, and this will be further exacerbated by any continued uncertainty surrounding the war in the Ukraine um, yeah. so it's not a very pretty situation it isn't and then you know you've got Putin you know talking about low low yield nuclear weapons you know and that <laughs> really it's the last thing last thing the world needs um, yeah this point in time in terms of volatility. Um, so yeah, our advice, I guess, to forex traders um, is to proceed very cautiously here. Volatility in the currency markets uh, can be an excellent driver of profits, as we all know, um, especially um, especially for scalpers. It can be uh, it can be an excellent driver of profits, can also lead to massive losses. And if, if the market does go into a full downturn, um, we see a huge reversal, you can, uh, yeah, you can see wipeouts quite easily. Um, so keep an eye on fundamentals. If you see any of these fundamentals start changing that we've discussed in this episode, uh, just be careful when you're trading. Mm -hmm. But be careful anyway. It's very volatile out there. Yeah, I think I think we've um, covered that topic quite well. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add, Alison? No, just um, you know, just I agree. Be very careful. Um, yeah. We've seen this happen many times before, and uh, this is probably not unique. 
No, I mean, not not the US dollar issue, but uh, just the, you know, just these these uh, trends turning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Volatility, people losing their shirt uh, because of volatility. Exactly. So yeah, thanks for joining us today. Next week we're going we're going to do yeah present an in depth review on one of the one of the brokers we work with. They're called Skilling. They're a Swedish broker with low trading costs, and they've actually got a fairly unique trading platform. Mm. Which I'm, uh, which I'm quite uh, eager to talk about. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. Cool. All right, Alison. Well, thank you so much for your time. And, yes, uh, you too, you Chris. Soon. Great. Cheers. Bye.